0: You are listening to a sermon by Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. Well, it has been and continues to be a very special Sunday when we get the privilege of uh, commissioning a missionary to be sent out from our church. That's, that is the special, a special day in the life of any church. And the, the privilege we have together of supporting Vincenzo uh, financially, supporting him prayerfully, uh, I hope supporting him in person uh, as, as we go down the road. Um, I want, you know, my vision is to have all, a lot of us going around the world to different places, and one of them would be in Lecce, Italy, and, and, and serving uh, in short-term missions there. The question, I suppose, is what, you know, why do Christians do this? Uh, it's, cer- it's certainly true that many in the mainstream culture uh, resent it, and are offended by it. They don't understand why we don't keep our faith private. They think proselytizing, which uh, missions is a part of, uh, is, is self-righteous arrogance, right? It's as if we have a corner on the truth. You've, I'm sure you've heard that critiqued. Are they Right? Well, you know th- think about it in another way if you had the if, if you had the cure to cancer right would you keep it to yourself would you would you keep that private wouldn't you be out there telling everybody about it and and if you were doing that that would nobody would think that is self-righteous arrogance uh, you, you know, you're, you you would be sharing that cure because of a loving concern for, for other people, right? You want, you want them to get the cure. You want them to be saved. It, the, the problem would be, the offense would be if you sat on that cure. Well, that's how it is with our faith, with Christianity. Christianity makes an exclusive, exclusive truth claims that salvation and redemption is found only in Jesus Christ. And so we are compelled to get that mission, to, 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 to get that message out. And, and so I want to focus on missions today a little bit, okay? We're going to, and, and, and to do that, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 5. And I think Revelation chapter 5 will help us together understand the, the priority Christians put on missions but I, but I want you also to notice, <clears throat> excuse me, that in learning about missions, we're also going to learn some deep truths. <clears throat> I'm choked up already. Deep truths, deep truths about ourselves uh, and about the Lord, okay? Revelation chapter five, one of the most remarkable parts of uh, John's vision, um, that he received on the island of Patmos. If you, uh, it's printed for you in the bulletin. If you don't have a Bible, if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? <clears throat> then I saw in the right hand of him who, who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as if as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and in all that is in them, Saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is God's word. And be seated. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit show us yourself today in your word that we might know you and know ourselves truly and deeply and love you and serve you faithfully here in Italy and around the world, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you want to know why we do missions or for that matter why we do anything else as believers of Jesus, all you really need to do is look at Jesus. The clearer our view of Jesus is, the clearer everything else becomes. Think of it this way. Many of you know that I'm a fly fisherman. Uh, One of the most important pieces of equipment for a fly fisherman is his, pol- or are his polarized sunglasses. Because polarized sunglasses let you do something that, that is almost miraculous, right? They let you see through the surface glare on the water so you can actually see what's under the surface. You can even see the fish. Uh, and, and that has a powerful impact on how you fish, right? On where you stand, on where you're going to cast, on what kind of fly you're going to cast. John's revelation functions exactly like my polarized sunglasses. It, it allows you and me to see through the surface realities of our lives, and get a clearer view of the deeper reality. And that deeper reality, of course, is Jesus and what he's about and what he's doing. And the clearer our view of Jesus is, the more our thinking and our actions are impacted and brought into line with with him. Remember, John was writing this to first-century Christians. This was written at the, right at the end of the first century, probably 96 A.D., something like that. Um, at a time when it was dangerous to be a Christian in the Roman Empire, you, they, they were excluded from uh, you, you were excluded from trade guilds, so it was hard to make a living. You were, you were uh, uh, suffering persecution. You were sometimes imprisoned and killed. Um, and John also imprisoned he's on the island of Patmos because of his faith perceived as a threat to the to the Roman Empire Uh, and from Patmos you can look out to the coast of Turkey and you can actually see the, the the cities where these churches that he is writing to are located and God gives him a vision and he writes this vision down, and it's and it, and he sends it to these churches, and he sends it to you and me now, uh, to strengthen us and encourage us. And and so when you look at the book of Revelation, and I know it's it's you know it's confusing for a lot of people, but you know it's it, at the end of the day it's fairly simple. You know, what, what did John give these believers, these suffering, persecuted believers? What did he give them in order to encourage them and strengthen them and give them direction? He gave them a clearer view of Jesus. Exactly what we need. So when we look at this vision, let's, let's just look at this part of the vision in Revelation 5, what do we learn about Jesus? Jesus because what we learn about Jesus is going to affect everything we do including our missions. Okay? Now, if we all sat around and discussed it, we'd probably, you know, be able to pull out a lot of things, but let me let me rec- point out four really important truths here that are revealed in this vision. That should encourage you, should should mold your thinking, change your living, Inform our mission work. Okay? First, four, four truths. First one. God has a plan. Sounds pretty basic. And it is basic. But it's super important and we always forget it. Or at least we act like it isn't true. When Revelation 5 opens up, the one seated on the throne, and that's God, God the Father... Is holding a scroll in his right hand. See that? Now, from other uses of the scroll imagery throughout the Old Testament and the way the scroll sort of plays out in the rest of Revelation, it, it becomes clear that what this scroll contains is God's decree, God's will, God's written down plan for his creation. It's it's the plan for history. It's a big plan. You know why I know it's a big plan? Because the scroll is written on both sides. That would have been, in, that would have been unusual in John's day, and that's why he noted it. Uh, the technology, paper technology back then was such that generally you could only write on one side of the page, but this scroll was written on both sides. Uh, the problem was it's sealed up, and it's really sealed up, seven seals, um, uh, seal it up so, so, a, a, and no one can be found who's worthy. Now, worthy is really to say no one can be found among this amazing crowd, right? We're talking some pretty impressive beings in this crowd, including angels. Uh, no one can be found who has the authority and the power to open the, up the plan and to put the plan into effect. And because that's true, John starts to cry. And if you think about it, that is a perfectly appropriate reaction. It, it actually, you know, think about it. If, if all the chaos going on in our lives right now If all that chaos were not subject to a higher plan, you know, was not was not coming down upon us from a with a higher purpose. If it's if 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 what's happening to us is not moving in a purposeful, intentional direction, we should cry because that would mean our lives are just random; they're meaningless, right? We, we just we, we live. Uh, the whim of chance, and and um, you know we're, we we suffer uh, the evil of human beings and and the forces of nature, and it's just you know if if there's no plan or purpose to it, if it's not going somewhere, then life's random and meaningless. And and of course John is crying, so should we. But the wonderful truth here is that. God has a scroll in his hand. There is a plan, right? You and I do not live in a random universe. And John is going to stop crying in just a second, right? Because the plan is going to be opened up. The plan is going to go into effect. And that gets us to the second truth. First, God has a plan. Second truth, Jesus works the plan. Now, some of you say, well, I don't don't see Jesus here. Well, he's here, of course, uh, right? Elder comes up to John at verse six. Weep no more, right? Stop crying. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David is conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David are both Old Testament messianic titles. Everyone understood that the Messiah was going to be a lion like person that comes from Judah's tribe and, more specifically, comes from the line of King David. But then, so, so, so that's the first clue. That in other, the, the angel could have said, Look, behold, the, look, the Messiah is here and he can open the scroll. But then one of the most dramatic turnarounds in, in the book happens. Maybe one of the most dramatic turnarounds in Scripture. Right? And it all happens in a flash. He says, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And in that moment, John you know, changes his gaze, looks toward the throne. And what does he see? He doesn't see the lion. Right? He sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. I mean, if you weren't sure that the Messiah was Jesus, now you know, right? That this, that this one that John is now looking at is Jesus. The lamb, as John the Baptist says, the lamb who, of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus did that uh, just like all the Passover lambs before him pointed forward to, right? He, he did it by being slain, by shedding his blood couple of things to notice here that that deepen our understanding of Jesus. First, did you notice uh, where he's standing, the lamb? Our translation says at verse six that he's between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. That's actually not what the Greek says. I, I understand why the translators did that because they're, they're trying to figure out the geography that because the Greek doesn't at first make spatial sense. But you have to remember that this is a vision, right? Visions are more like dreams, right? That, that things can happen in a vision that might not happen it, normally. The Greek text literally says that the lamb is in the middle of the throne, and in the middle of the elders. Now, the reason they have a problem with that is that God is sitting on the throne. So how can the lamb that's standing there be in the middle of the throne? Well, he's standing, both God is sitting there and the lamb is standing there. They're both there. This is a vision. And this vision is communicating something very important, right? that at the very center of reality is God the Father and God the Son. They're distinct. The, fa- the, the one who sits on the throne and the Lamb are distinct, but they are also one and the same, right? Jesus is God. Jesus is worthy of the same worship that, that the Father receives, That's a big fact. You know, again, basic facts, but it's always good to go back to the fundamentals. And, and uh, you, know, w- you know, we tend to think of a, of, a, of a lamb as a weak and helpless creature. Um, and they are, uh, especially when compared to a lion. But, but this lamb is like no other lamb, right? He's also a lion. And he also happens to have seven horns and seven eyes right you know now again this, again this is a vision right what what does a horn stand for the horn you see you see that imagery a lot in the psalms the horn is a symbol of strength uh you know the, the horn of a rhinoceros or the horn of a bull was was symbolic of its strength um, and seven horns that perfect number means complete strength total strength right Seven eyes are, re, really represent two things. We're told that there are spirits, there are seven spirits. So, so the eyes represent two things. The eyes represent, if you've got seven eyes, you're seeing everything. You know everything that's going on. So it's knowledge, it's seven. That's perfect knowledge, total knowledge. And it's also because it's their seven spirits, it's it's that this lamb is perfectly invested with the Holy Spirit, fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So you've got now Jesus is is not only one and the same with God, but he is he's all mighty, he's all powerful, he's all knowing, and he's completely full of the Holy Spirit. Now, you'd think that would qualify Jesus to to be the one who puts this plan into effect, but that's not what qualifies him. What, What qualifies Jesus to take and open the scroll? Well, look at what the four living creatures and the elders sing at verse nine. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. Because you were slain. that fact that qualifies Jesus, that he allowed himself to be slain as a sacrifice to save you is what gives him the authority and the power to activate God's plan for all of creation. So I want want you to hear this because this is encouraging and this, this will affect how you think and how you act. At the center of reality is a God who knows what it is to suffer. Because he did, he suffered for you. So as when you suffer, you're not you're not and you're praying to the Lord, you're not praying to the Lord who doesn't know what it is to suffer. He knows exactly what you're facing and what you're feeling. And not only that, right at the center of reality is sacrificial love, the most powerful force in the universe. So often we are trying to grab other things for power, money, political power, whatever it is. The greatest power in the universe is sacrificial love. And the fact that, that Jesus was, this lamb is standing there, right? Even though its throat had been cut. And that's probably what John saw. That's how you, that's how you sacrificed a lamb. You cut its throat. So you have this lamb standing, its throat cut, its wool covered with, with shed blood. And yet it's living, it's standing, And, and it's a testimony, it's a sign that the sacrificial love of Jesus for you is stronger than anything that you will ever, ever face, including death itself. The sacrificial love of Jesus overcomes even death. The lamb is standing. Okay. So God has a plan. Jesus works the plan. Third truth. Jesus is the goal of the plan. This is a pretty Jesus-centric sermon, isn't it? Well, the vision is, you know, it's not just that Jesus works his plan, right? Through his life, death, resurrection and ascension. It's that it it as When the plan plays out, Jesus is both its center and its goal. If you look here, right, closely, you've got concentric circles surrounding Jesus, uh, concentric circles of, of worship. And, and Jesus is at the center with the Father, receiving that worship. And the last concentric circle is all of creation. I'm sure this is what animated guys like C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien when, you know, the the trees are clapping their hands and the animals are talking and, uh, you know, the wind is singing uh, because that's really what it says here. Every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them bowing down to and worshiping Jesus Just let that sink in, right? And what this is saying, what these songs of worship say is that at the end of the day, at the end of history, where wh- who has all the power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory and blessing? Jesus does. It's all lodged in Jesus. You know, politicians talk a lot today about being on the right side of history. And we will point to one another, right, and say you're on the wrong side of history with that position. And we're on the right side of history with our position. Well, at the end of history, all power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing belongs to Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the right side of history. And so I I want you to hear this, and I especially want you young people to hear this because you're making, you're beginning to make decisions about your life and the direction your life is going and the the career path you're going to take. Even though the Church of Jesus Christ may look unimpressive, marginal, and unexciting next to the glamour of Instagram influencers or the power of presidents or the wealth of Silicon Valley millionaires. In the end, all those eat Jesus' dust. Seek glory, power, and wealth for yourself rather than for Jesus. And at the end whenever that end comes for you, uh, all of that is going to sift through your fingers like sand. You know, and not all of us are blessed enough to be able to learn that early in life. Actually, Tom Brady learned it. I'm not sure what he's done with it. But, you know, Tom Brady, Right? The guy, you know, that's easy to, to, to be, you know, jealous of. Got everything. Good looks, supermodel wife, lots of money. Right, everything. In 2000, I forget when it was, it was 15 years ago. He did a 60 Minutes interview. Uh, he was 27 years old. And in response to a question, listen, listen to what he said. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? I think, God, it's got to be, there's got to be, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? Now, I don't know where Tom Brady is spiritually, but at 27, he had learned an important lesson. Right? That power and glory and wealth held, for its, held by us for ourselves is a passing thing. I think one of, of one of our dear friends uh, who enjoyed tremendous career success and, and, and tremendous financial success that went along with that. Uh, when, when, when faced with the death, tragic, sudden death of a loved one, all of that success, all of that money meant nothing. It completely let her down. It completely failed her, as it will fail all of us. Linda was on the telephone call with her. The last three words she said to Linda on that call were, there's no hope, there's no hope, there's no hope, and then she hung up. As a person has everything as the world stands. Friends, only with Jesus is there the hope and the glory that will not fade or fail. Want to be on the right side of history? Go with Jesus. Finally, fourth. And here's, here's where we really get to the missions emphasis. You may have been wondering, where, where is that coming? Um, here it is. I'll repeat this. Christians work out from a victory already won, not toward a victory to be achieved. Hear that? Christians work out from a victory already won, not toward a victory to be achieved. Here's what I mean. I think verses 9 and 10 are the most, maybe two of the most important verses in the Bible in terms of not only our understanding of Jesus, but an understanding of ourselves and our mission. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Every phrase there matters. And every verb tense matters. Let's just break it down. Jesus was slain. We've already talked about that. Past tense. It's completed. He died once for all. As an unrepeatable act. And when he did that, second phrase, when Jesus died, by his blood, he ransomed, past tense, he ransomed people for God. At the point Jesus died, That his death accomplished the rescue and the redemption of his people from slavery to sin and death. It's done, it's already done. It's his people have been ransomed. Now, notice who these people are they come from every tribe, language, people, nation, and political party. Did it say that? I added that. The point's still true. They come from every tribe, language, people, and nation. God's kingdom is not colorblind. It's color-blessed. You know what? The advocates of critical race theory are trying in vain to achieve. Racial reconciliation. And it is in vain we see here, Jesus has already accomplished. He has ransomed people already from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And on that day, they will be there, and we're not going to all be the same color. The ethnicities are still there and yet we're all standing on level ground. We're all brothers and sisters standing shoulder to shoulder looking to Jesus. Full racial reconciliation is only achieved by Jesus. Listen people and especially you young people. You know, racial reconciliation and racism is a huge issue these days. And, and, And that's a good thing. And and if you're passionate about racial reconciliation, go on the mission field. That's where it's, that is where racial reconciliation really, really, truly happens. One soul at a time. That's what Vincenzo is going to be doing. And you see what this means for Vincenzo as he goes out to plant a church in Italy. He's going out from a victory already won. Jesus has died and risen and already ransomed his people for himself. Vincenzo is not going in the hope that maybe he can convince people to become followers of Jesus. Jesus. He's going in obedience to the king, proclaiming the victory his king has already won, and calling to the king the people he has already ransomed for himself. And as Vincenzo is faithful in proclaiming that victory, God's already ransomed people will come, they'll respond. Vincenzo doesn't know who they are. I don't know who they are. None of us know who they are. But God does. And so Vincenzo proclaims the gospel to everybody, just like we proclaim the gospel to everybody. The the invitation goes out. And those that respond and come to faith in Jesus testify by their coming that they were ransomed by Jesus 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem. Friends, the cross did not make salvation possible, the cross accomplished salvation. Let that assure your faith. And friends, it's not just about Vincenzo. I mean, today we're sending him out as as a full-time missionary on the field. You aren't that right now. But we're all on mission, as, as Pastor James said. And we're all working out from victory, not toward it. So wherever God has you now laboring, You're still on mission, right? But you're working out from, from an already accomplished victory. Do you see how that sh- gives, should give you uh, boldness and courage to, to, to speak the truth about Jesus, to love people sacrificially like Jesus? Speaking of this mission... Um, this, this text tells us a little bit, we're almost done, tells us all about the mission, tells us more about the mission that Vincenzo is on, gonna be on, and you and I are all enlisted in. One more past tense verb there, right? By his death, Jesus made, past tense, Jesus made his people two things, a kingdom and priests to our God bet you didn't know you were a priest you see and I've said this before but it's, it's, all, it's always worth repeating the gospel is more than, the, than that Jesus died for your sins so you can go to heaven that is true that's wonderfully true but the gospel is more than that it's also right That God has given you a vocation. God has put you on mission. You are saved, we together are saved to be a people, first of all, who have a second citizenship, a superior citizenship. We are citizens in a kingdom, in God's kingdom. And we recognize his authority above all earthly powers. This kingdom has no borders. But it's a kingdom. It's a kingdom in every respect. It has people who acknowledge and worship the king and respect his authority above all else. Okay? So we're saved to be in a kingdom and were saved, secondly, to be priests. Now, what does that mean? Well, think about what a priest does. He acts as kind of a mediator, right, between, between God and people. He brings God to people as he brings the word and as he brings sacrament and as he brings love, sacrificial love. And he brings people to God by praying for them, by inviting them to watch his worship in action. You see, the gospel's not just about getting your ticket to heaven punched. it's, It's that you and I have been saved to join this mission, to reflect the image of Jesus to a foolish, needy, and undeserving world. To reflect God's wise rule in the world, to proclaim the, Jesus' worth and His truth, to be God's agent in bringing His ransomed people into His kingdom, by prayer and proclamation, and by sacrificial love. If there's one other message that comes clear, it, comes through clear in Revelation, is that is that following Jesus is going to involve following in his footsteps, which means suffering, which means hurting, which means dying, sacrificially loving. It's the most powerful force in the universe as people see us sacrificially loving one another as you turn and sacrificially love people outside of our walls they're going to see Jesus. As one theologian put it, it just is summing this up, he says, ultimately the biblical storyline isn't really the story, isn't fully the story of guilty human beings, humans being forgiven so they could go to heaven, but of foolish, needy, and undeserving humans like us being rescued in order to be worshipers and workers in God's restoration movement, his kingdom project. And that's the last verb, and I'll close with this, the last phrase in this remarkable statement at verses nine and 10. God's ransomed people shall reign on the earth, future tense. Everything else has been past tense, but now it's future. It's future for, it was future for John, it's future still for us. Listen, lest you think otherwise, heaven is a reality. It's a wonderful reality. It's a mind-bending, transcendent reality. And if you have faith in Jesus, if you die today, you will go to heaven and be with him, with Jesus there in heaven. But what the Bible makes clear and what this vision makes clear is that that's not the ultimate destination. That's the second to the last stop. Where are we going to rule? Not in heaven, where? On earth. God brings heaven down. And that's at the end of Revelation, that's exactly what you see, this heavenly city of Jerusalem coming down to earth. You and I are going to rule on earth with Jesus. When everything is brought under the leadership of Jesus on that day, right, the last day, when history rolls up, you and I will be in new bodies on a newly remade earth, paradise restored. I hope you see how this gives urgency and relevancy and practicality to what Vincenzo is about to do and to what we are called to do wherever God has you laboring. The earth matters to God. And because it matters to God, it matters to us. People matter to God. And because they matter to God, they matter to us. As Christians, we are not escapists. We're not trying to get out of this crummy world and go to a nice heaven. We're restorers. We are, by God's sovereign act, by his grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus Christ alone, for his glory alone, worshipers and workers together in God's kingdom. And we're on the right side of history. Time will reveal that truth. And in the meantime, in the meantime, remember the victory. Endure patiently. Love sacrificially. And worship joyfully amen amen let's pray actually let's let's pray silently let's let's have just a, a brief time of reflection uh and then i'll close us in prayer think be thinking about what what we've just said here and mission pray for Vincenzo, pray for your mission thank God for the 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 view of Jesus that he 's given you here and Pray about how that might impact how you live and think, face whatever you're facing right now. Let's pray and I'll close this in a couple of minutes. Father, we thank you for the vision you gave John, letting us see beneath the surface of what we see every day, to get a glimpse of what's going on at a deeper level as you work your plan. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we've been enlisted on the mission. Help us, Father, to to, um, continue to lean on you, in faith, to give you our fears and our failures. Lord, we don't serve on this mission because we're so powerful and capable, but really because we're so needy and undeserving and weak. But you are powerful and you do your work through us by your Spirit. Encourage our hearts to serve and love you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to Ted Hamilton, Senior Pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California, or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.